this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Oh, sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. <laughs> yeah, I got the masterpiece theater background. That's how you, yeah. you come out like that. I like it, man. Yeah, That's yeah. Comes down like okay. <laughs> you got you got the fancy chair and then yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you come out swinging. All right, let's see how it goes. <laughs> Not you even your, your wine and your flowers and everything. You come out sexy. Touche, <laughs> <laughs> touche. <laughs> All right, well, not now. Let's kick it off, man. How you doing, man? Uh, I'm doing doing well. How are you? I'm great, man. I'm welcoming everybody to What's the Headline? Uh, episode 5. It all makes sense in a couple of weeks while while we skip an order, right? Yeah, now. true. Touche. We got we got a little something special coming up next week, so I hope everybody tunes in to see uh see what we got. We got uh we got a nice conversation uh that we're going to have with someone very very special in hip hop. But yeah, how's your week been, man? It's good, man. It's been, uh, you know, all things considered, it's been good. Uh, going stir crazy, just like the rest of us, um, you know. But uh, gas is cheap. One of the things, I have been social distancing, but I take a drive or two every so often just to listen to music and uh, clear my head. So how about you? Uh, man, uh, yeah, man. Like, first of all, Zoom chats are going to be the death of me. You know what I mean? Like, this, is one, <laughs> this is one that I enjoy, but I got like... Yeah. 10, 15 a day, which is crazy. You know what I mean? Um, but I had a nice walk yesterday. I walked around the water uh, you know, for like an hour. Uh, had some my ice cream. It's just little stuff, man. Just yeah. little stuff in life that, that, that feels good. Yeah, absolutely. I did the same yesterday. Got outside, got some fresh air. I love April and March historically, and that's my plan uh, later today as well. My hair is uh, it's gonna be a problem, man. I started like trying to like trim my hairline and keep my barber's hairline, and like, yeah. it's, it's going awry, dude. Like, it's going awry. Yeah, I did the same thing. I told you uh, last week that I was starting to look like a relief pitcher. Uh, I was getting my Mitch Williams. It was coming around the sides, or uh, you know. So I, I, I fixed it up, but I don't think I think anybody who's who's behind me, uh, yeah, it's <laughs> it's not not the job. I, uh, I will not be a barber in my next life. You just gotta start wearing the spelly, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that's what I need to do, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah, well, it's been a great week for hip hop though. Sure has. Sure has. I mean, uh, you know, we're just hours after Rizza versus DJ Premier. Um, man, did you uh you catch the whole battle? I caught I'd say I'm probably about eighty five percent through it, I think. Uh mm-hmm. last one I, I, I saw was Primo played classic. Okay, yeah, I have the whole set list right here. So. Oh, okay, word, okay. What yeah. After that? So after Classic, if this is correct, and I forget who to attribute this to, I saw it on Instagram this morning, uh, he uh, he played Classic, Rizza went into Triumph, dope record, okay. and then Primo came back with Represent from Illmatic. Oh, so that was it, that was it? Oh, no, um, so they each went 28 songs. Um, no, no, so, so I only missed miss three songs then. Oh, okay. Boom. Oh, there you go. Yeah, okay. Else? Yeah. Yo, um, so what'd you think? Who got it? Man. Um, well, let me, let me 
answer your question with another question. Do we count the sound issues that RZA had at the beginning? Nah, I mean, you know, it, you know, the tough technical difficulties, they are what they are. We know what the beats sound like, so, you know. I mean, the, the, the diplomatic, you know, press secretary answer is, you know, Primo at the end of the battle said the real winner here is hip-hop, which I certainly thought. Um, I think Premier won. I mean, and, and, you know, it's worth noting, Premier is my GOAT. Like, not only producer, but he's him and, you know, Gangstar has always been my favorite group in hip-hop. Hard to Earn is my favorite album. Um, I knew that Premier would come in and just kill this. And he's been active on um, IG Live just throughout the quarantine. RZA really stepped up much bigger than I thought. I saw a lot of people this week um, that were just saying RZA was just going to get, you know, murked. And um, this was a neck and neck race. So before we get any further, what do you think? Well, I agree. It was definitely much closer than I thought it was going to be. You know, it's interesting. I was, I was looking at it a few ways. First of all, Primo has an advantage just because he has a more expansive catalog. Uh, you yeah. know, he's produced more joints and he has produced more joints with more people. Sure. So he's got like a, a, a different, like he's got a, a greater sonic scope to kind of tap into than RZA does. Um, so that, that, that put him in an advantage for me personally. Um, you know, Primo is, it's him and Dre for me. You know, those are my two, my two goats, uh, very different sounds, but for what each one kind of represents, those are the two like key stakeholders for me. Mm-hmm. But I thought, um, I thought RZA like really, he brought it, he brought it too. You know, um, it was a great moment for hip hop, both legends. Uh, but you give it to Premier? But I, I'll give it to Premier. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I worked with Prem like, um, Back in the day, you know, shout out to Mark Levinson, who's been his lawyer for like 25 years. When I was working for Mark, I got to do most of Premier's producer agreements. So I worked on stuff like Tank Track Commandments and mm-hmm. uh, like uh, the Jay-Z intro, like, uh, you know. Uh, Probably uh, Nas is like too, right? Nas is like, I did that too, yeah. Uh, Which is yeah, a record he didn't play. I did the KRS joint, you know, uh, MC's oh, no, they don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did him working with Rakim, a lot of stuff. It was cool, yeah. And obviously, I mean, I think you and I are both objective people. Um, I hear what you're saying on RZA. You know, a battle's a battle, and obviously this was a friendly battle. This was like a sound clash, you know, like dance hall style of like record to record. Um, but, you know, RZA has to stand on his catalog when he goes in. And obviously the thing that RZA has to his advantage is um, – more clout, you know, uh, I think, you know, at a mainstream level, like RZA is a face that, you know, my parents know, they don't know DJ Premier, they might know, you know, the Christina Aguilera record, which he did play. But, um, you know, RZA comes in with that recognition. And that being said, I mean, RZA really pulled from only like 10 albums, you know, whereas Premier across 28 songs, you know, probably over 20, over twice that. So I hear what you're saying on catalog. But RZA's record selection was um, really remarkable, I thought. You know? Yeah, I mean, he hit me with some stuff I forgot about, right? Like, I forgot he was on the Kanye album. Mm-hmm. And I forgot that he was on the Biggie album, right? So he did have a lot more diversity than, than I even recalled, you know? Um, yeah. But Prem could go deep, you know? He, he had you know, J-Ru, and he didn't even play Group Home. Group home no. I mean, he didn't I'm looking right here. Right? No, mean, he, he did. He did. He played Living Proof. Right, but um, he has superstar. I mean, he had some joints that he could have just dropped, too. Yeah, and it's interesting because Premier surprised me. I mean, when the battle began, there was some talking at the beginning. 
and he went right in. I mean, he started with A Million and One by Jay, and the second record premiere plays is Breaking the Rules by MOP, right. which you would expect MOP, like, go with one of those more familiar records or remixes that he did. Breaking the Rules, I did not see coming. So that was a surprise. But in other places, um, you know, Premier surprised me. He didn't go as underground maybe as I thought he would have. I, I saw a lot of people on, um, on the social saying, like, where was, you know, the next level remix for Showbiz and AG, which is mean, um, yeah. incredible, you know. But meanwhile, to your point, you know, Riz is dropping records. I know the Kanye record, if I'm not mistaken, was a co-production. But, and that gets, you know, I mean, Scott Storch last week, we, you know, was playing a lot of things that he didn't do himself alone. But I had forgotten that RZA did run for Ghostface. I mean, yeah. after, after um, the third album, apart from like the, uh, the Doom stuff and some of those production credits, I always in my mind just kind of forget that RZA still, especially with Ghost, was in the fold. And Run is just an amazing record. And the room, the energy, both on screen and in the chat was going nuts. And how about the chat, too? I mean, yeah, every, yeah. every hip-hop, you know, luminary, dignitary. And then you had, like, Adrian Brody. You had, um, what's my girl from The Hangover? Um, yeah, I mean, you just, there was so much craziness going on. You know, uh, Premier, too, it it also seemed like he didn't come in with, like, a, a preset list. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he was reacting to what RZA was doing. And, you know, he would say, you know, what, what's, what would I follow this up with? So I thought that was interesting, too, you know. Yeah. He did, it wasn't calculated for him. It was truly, like, reacting to him as a DJ would. And, and I also think that um, it's just cool how this whole thing has brought back the DJ. The DJ is now yeah. front and center hip-hop started with the dj and, yeah you know that kind of got lost for a long time but now it's the djs that are entertaining us so i mean with that being said that's a great um do you think we'll see a change in things after this is all said and done you know i was thinking about this yesterday there's been like kind of a new crop of superstars that have emerged mm-hmm. right uh, like d nice and you know and, and primo and you got your guy john um uh what's his name uh the dude from the office uh oh yeah krasinski yeah yeah uh have you seen his show no he's got a show on youtube that's just all good things and he did this thing where he had this little girl on she's a big hamilton fan she and her mom were gonna go to new york and their trip got derailed because of everything that's happening Mm -hmm. And so he had Lin-Manuel Miranda call in. uh, He had her on Zoom, and he had Lin-Manuel Miranda call in and talk to her. And then all of a sudden, like, um, you know, he starts breaking into one of the biggest songs. And then you hear, like, other voices come in. And he got the entire original cast of Hamilton to perform this song for her. It was crazy. Like, um, and he's done this a number of times. You got Erica doing her concert series, like, it's just a whole new crop of superstars emerging. So, you know, um, I, I think we're going to live in, a, once all this subsides, I think we're going to live in a blended world where, um, you know, it kind of goes back to normal, but all these, these people who've entertained us now and are really, I'm, I'm seeing Theo back there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I see it in the reflection. Speaking yeah. of entertaining. <laughs> yeah. My man is all up in the shot and everything, all in the video, like yeah. dancing. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, I think it's going to be a hybrid. I think these people and this culture will continue to happen. What do you think? 
Yeah, I mean, specifically to the DJ, I hope so. I mean, I grew up at a time, um, you know, I'm 36. So I just remember in the 90s, like after 10 o'clock, um, I lived in Pittsburgh, which had one of the oldest Black-owned stations, Whammo. And we would have DJs come on. I mean, it was a mix show, which a lot of cities had. And that all seemed to kind of go away. And when I moved to Philly, that was a big thing here. And just the idea of the improvisation of what record you're going to do. One of my favorite things growing up was going to New York here in Flex, here in Mr. C, you know, and the, the cast of others between Hot and Power, I hope that out of this, people appreciate live mixing, um, just realizing that these folks are artists. And yeah, and some of them, I mean, that's a point that I just keep making. This is really cool right now, but Easy Moby, DJ Evil D, Maceo, there's a host of guys that have been doing this for years, you know, on different platforms. And I just hope that there's recognition and advantage. And I would love to see um, D-Nice do a national tour where people are taking the same energy into, into a room together, you know, when that's healthy and safe again. Yeah, wouldn't that be crazy, man, if like he took club quarantine and like was doing arena shows? I mean, that yeah. would just be so epic, you know? Yeah, um, I mean, it's, it's interesting because too, like I've gone, I've sat in in some of the Questlove uh, mixes too, and, I did stretch and Bob this week. They went on on Thursday night in celebration of kind of their tradition. And it's, it's weird because it's like, it's like a club where you're getting shout outs from the DJ as you're seen in the crowd, but it's also like a chat room where I'll see all these people, people that I know or people that, you know, I know of, and they're all greeting each other and catching up very publicly. It's, um, it's definitely uh, a silver in a land of gray right now. Yeah, that's an interesting thing, too. Like, you know, I'm watching uh, Questlove's Q-Tip tribute. Did you catch any of that? I did not. Dude, he did six hours of Q-Tip music, like, mm -hmm. for Q-Tip's 50th birthday. And, yeah, dude, he was playing deep cuts, like, samples he was playing. He did, like, uh, two or three different versions of Scenario. Mm. He played unreleased versions of Scenario yeah. with like new verses and everything. It was it was insane what he was doing. But the cool thing about it is, you know, um, he's breaking that fourth wall. So he was like literally having conversations with people like Dart Adams. Uh, he and Dart Adams were having a full blown conversation. But you know, Dart would be in the comments, yeah. and Quest would be answering him like on video and like you know with insider jokes and everything. And yeah it feels like it's truly a conversation, you know, and you're a part of it too. Like, you know, it's cool. It's really great. Yeah. I mean, it's leveled in a way, the playing field. I mean, you know, um, and it's hopefully you look at somebody like Dard, who I tip my cap to as just a historian and a documentarian to the highest degree. And hopefully, you know, that takes his base of knowledge and projects it to all the people that are just there because they follow Questlove, be it for celebrity or Fallon or food or their Roots fans, whatever. Like it's a, it's an intersection of culture, which is, man, really cool. I just, I do hope that when this is all over and I hope it is, um, you know, that it, it brings attention to those people that really put in work over these weeks and months. Yeah. You know, uh, just going back to DNS for a second quest, uh, actually, um, um, Black Thought has a, uh, it's, it's not even a, a podcast, he's just it's doing some conversations with people. And so he did, uh, D-Nice was his first one. And, you know, D-Nice was talking about how, you know, he thought he would get to this point at some, at, you know, at some point in his career, but he mm -hmm. just thought that it would be much sooner and through much different means. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he's happy about what's happening. He's not quite surprised though, but it's just cool just seeing how it's all unfolded, you know? 
Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's amazing. And um, yeah, I caught, I caught a little bit of that. I didn't watch the whole thing. And that's one of the things that's just been crazy is, you know, two and three weeks later, it's, it's almost like when the channels went from like four, eight channels, which I grew up with to that point when I was around like 12 years old, where my mom had like 60 channels. And then now it's like 200 there's so much to keep up with and I'll find myself bouncing in and out of these rooms. And then obviously life happens. It's, um, it's crazy, but I'm really happy for D nice. He's never, um, gotten the recognition. And I hope that out of this, people listen to the music and see the photography and all the other amazing things that he's done over the last 35 years. Yeah. You know, the roots, uh, have, uh, they did like an onslaught this, this week of content. So you had the Questlove, concerts uh and you had uh black thought did the, the conversation with d nice he also did a, a tiny desk show where he premiered three new songs did you catch that i caught part of it i didn't catch the whole thing but uh you caught the whole thing right yeah the, so there was a, a the, the second song is called yellow and it's a super jazzy cut and black thought is doing a musical and it's from the perspective of uh, so the musical is about a guy who uh, who is is uh, dark skin and and is like kind of tired of, and wants to like, I think lighten his skin and lighten the rest of the world. And so like uh, he wants no one to be darker than like yellow. Hmm. And so it's, he's writing from the perspective of someone who doesn't find darker skin women attractive. And like uh, it was a real stretch for him because that's just not who he is, you know. But the song is is crazy and it's very visual. Um, it's not as dense as most black thought songs are because it's meant to be like a musical where you could follow all the words very easily and it's telling a story. But mm-hmm. definitely go back and check that out. It's real cool. I will. I mean, black thoughts just so prolific, you know, over the last three years. I mean, he put out two albums in the same year in 2018. He just recently did the master class. He's on Fallon. I mean, every night when this is not going on, it's, it's just remarkable. And then the ability to perform and freestyle and all of this and, I know that there was a musical in the works. I think Rhymefest kind of spilled the beans on that on Hot 97 uh, one year ago this month. And uh, yeah, I, I'm glad to know that that's still budding. I don't know, you know, there's been a few different things that I've heard that Thought is doing next. Um, I heard him maybe in the D-Nice conversation, there's going to be another project with Salam Rami, but there's another project with somebody else, another producer whose name escapes me right now. Do you remember? Uh, I, I know he was doing some stuff with Sean C. Uh, that's it. That's yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and he played the track that he did with him at the end too. You know. So, oh wow. Yeah. So all uh, three new new joints from Black Thought. You know, just. Uh, but that's the stuff we're getting now, man. Yeah. It's just, it's just regular. Uh, it's has wild. Has gotten better? Has anyone gotten better in in as they gotten older than Black Thought or Royce? The two of them. Yeah, I mean, we had that conversation recently about Royce and I said Master Ace, but I think, I think Black Thought is at the whole other level. Um, yeah, I don't think anyone's messing with that. I really don't. And, and to be so prolific and already have proven himself, like one of the opinions that I say living in Philly is my favorite part of the Roots catalog is Game Theory on, like 2006 to present versus and and you know there's people that love things fall apart and illadelph half-life and on and on that can't wrap their heads around it but to me i honestly think that you know um what 12 13 years after organics the group really got it 
everything right after that, which I totally recognize if people say otherwise, but from that, both beyond the group to his solo career, Black Thought has just been in, in turbo mode. Yeah. So Quest did this six hour tribute to Q-Tip uh, turning 50. So first of all, let's talk about, so my mom sent me, uh, she sent me a, an article from the AARP about hip hop okay. in middle age. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. <laughs> and it had Dr. Dre, Will Smith, yeah. uh, you know, um, Queen Latifah, I think Jay-Z and Pup, all of whom have turned 50 in the last year or two. LL, yeah. Like, what does that mean, dude? Like, I mean, like, first of all, middle age, I take offense at that term. Yeah. Because, like, you know, I'm 50 and like, uh, it hurts to say that. But uh, uh, I don't even, <laughs> but... I don't consider that to be middle age. I suppose, like, you know, maybe I'm going to live 150 or so, but if not, <laughs> I guess yeah. I am technically in the yeah. middle, you know, hopefully, you know, not right. going with. But middle age just sounds like a euphemism for getting old. You know what I mean? Middle anything just sucks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah middle yeah. child, middle, yeah, yeah exactly. No. Uh, but I don't see any of those people as, like, old or, you know, or, or, or irrelevant. They're all, like, very, very still like part of the culture yeah i mean i've honestly been wondering too like what was it about 1968 to 1970 like that experience you know um because yeah ll kane um master ace i think like there's a list of people that are all turning 50 over the last like 18 months that has been staggering and what was it? You know, like they say, like, is New York pizza so dope because of the water? Like, what was, what is it about that perspective of being 20 years old in 1989 or, you know, circa 1989, being 50 today that just makes your generation, and generation is too broad of a term, but your literal age group so noteworthy, especially when it comes to hip hop? You know, I think part of what it is is, uh, for the people who stayed relevant, it's because they continued to evolve. You know, um, it, they didn't continue to, to do the same kind of music. They didn't even stick to music in most cases. You know, like Latifah and, and, and Will Smith obviously started to act. Jay and Puff became moguls and evolved that way. Uh, you know, um, you know, Q-Tip has been like a renaissance man and done everything, you know, the production, the features like uh executive producer and stuff like that i think that's that's probably the key to staying relevant and to even staying young in some in some ways i think if you continue just to do the one thing that got you there i mean ll has been a mogul too moved to tv and like behind the scenes all the stuff he's doing with rock and bells like i think that's critical to the the longevity and, and staying fresh and, and seeming like you're you're still kind of hip so you had this idea years ago that um I, I wrote the article kind of with your direction that was like 1984, the watershed year of hip hop. Mm. So your age group was circa 14 to 16 years old in 1984, which is such an inflection point for hip hop. I mean, you got to see Crush Groove in the theaters in high school. You were there at a adolescent age as Run DMC is taking flight. And you're, you're then at a, uh, high school graduation, early college, as you've got your KRS, your Rakim, your Kane. Like, that's so interesting that you're growing fundamentally at a time when hip hop is, and you're the same. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it all kind of falls together of like life and art both getting advanced and more technical in tandem. I don't know. 
Yeah, everything changed in 1984. I mean, before that, you had you had Houdini, you had Curtis Blow, you had uh, Grandmaster Flash, Melly Mel. Melly Mel was my first favorite rapper, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and the message to like, uh, you know, World War Three and you know, Step Up, everything. But what happened in 84, and you even had Houdini, right? Um, but yeah. what happened in 84 is Run DMC's first album dropped, you know, the, the, the title out, the, uh, the eponymous album. And that just changed the sound of hip hop. It changed what it looked like because, you know, prior to that, guys were wearing leather and like, you know, um, you know looking like R&B singers and stuff like that, suits and all that stuff. Run DMC was very un- unapologetic and very much, you know, what I'm wearing on the street is what I'm going to walk mm-hmm. onto the stage with. And it, it changed the attitude of a generation. It was almost like, like what punk rock did for um, people who liked it during that era. Um, and so, yeah, then LL came out and he was the first bona fide hip hop superstar um, as a solo artist and, uh, you know, crush group, all that. So, yeah, I mean, 1987, I'm walking in and like, you know, I came in the door, like I said it yeah. before. Like, at a time was, when you're becoming a man, like at a yeah. time when you're an adult, you know? Yeah, you walk in and you got your swagger, your chest is out, like your head is up. Like, I mean, it just felt different, you know? So, yeah, then, 84 yeah. set that whole thing off, set that whole thing off. It's crazy. I mean, you know, a lot of the names that you mentioned just transcend age. And to your point a moment ago, like, the fact that Q-Tip turned 50 or anyone else that we've talked about, I think it's really cool. And I think we should stop and celebrate them because hip hop is big on birthdays and historically astrology too. But uh, Q-Tip is ageless to me. And, um, you know, it's just remarkable uh, that I, you know, you're, you're giving flowers and celebration to somebody who's very active, especially even in the last five years, what Tip has done. So let's talk about his impact on hip hop. I mean, um, yeah, it's so much deeper than, first of all, Tribe is like one of the most influential groups mm-hmm. of all time of any genre. I mean, they've spawned, they've spawned so many uh, people from that whole native tongues, like, you know, um, Linear Tree. But, uh, you know, Q-Tip, you know, was his production, with his features, you know, Nas to, to Danny Brown and everything in between. Like, uh, what does Q-Tip mean to you? for hip hop i mean uh q-tip is is just the epitome of of to know your future is to know your past i mean one of the things that i love about q-tip is he's always taken culture that he holds in high regard with him and you can look in the early years and say that sampling um you can you can you know look at um, so one of the things that Q-Tip did recently, and it's very successful, Q-Tip has a lot of wins that I think hip hop heads don't realize, or we don't necessarily pay attention to. I'm not saying it's a great record, but recently, you know, Q-Tip did a version with Demi Lovato of Don't Go Breaking My Heart, the, uh, hmm. Elton John and, uh, what is it like Kiki D record from 76. And that's like a record he must like, like, obviously Q-Tip doesn't need to do that, but he does it and he does it in his way. And it, it's been more successful as a single than I think anything that he's done in the last, you know, five or six years. But in the same time, you have this incredible Grammy performance. You have the, obviously the SNL tribe drop. Um, Yeah. I mean, Q-Tip to me is just, he's never, he's evolved, but he's always kept that essence of like, let me put you onto something, whether I'm DJing, whether I'm rapping, whether I'm producing. 
And I love that. That's one of the reasons I love hip hop, period. So what do you like more, his work with Tribe or his solo work? I um, recently put on the Renaissance in the last two weeks and I had forgotten. I mean, that was one of my favorite albums of 2008. And um, it's, I hadn't listened to it in a while. I came back, loved it. Um, even loved the Kamal record that came out later, the abstract. But obviously, I mean, the answer is Tribe. Tribe is just that discovering that music um, and living. So I remember buying Beats, Rhymes, and Life the week it came out on cassette tape, but I had obviously missed the first three albums. Um, but like, I belonged to that movement as it was happening, even if I was in the middle towards the end. Um, Tribe is everything, you know, to me. And the whole native tongues is, that's, that's everything as well. Yeah, I mean, Tribe, um, probably my favorite group of all time. You know, no. um, you know Low End Theory is a top three album for me. Mm -hmm. maybe top two that nephronic um you know but you put on breathing stop or vibrant thing at a party right now yeah it's gonna set it off you know what i mean uh in a way that's different than tribe music um it's tough it's almost like two completely different entities you know and yeah he did, he did morph and kind of you know mold into um he molded into tribe, you know, it wasn't just his son. I think, and I think actually, I'd say the exception is that last album, the last album they did, I think yeah. is felt to me more like a Q-tip album than a tribe yeah. album. You know, maybe right. that's because, uh, you know, Fife wasn't present for the whole making of it and Ali Shaheed, you know, wasn't um, part of it, you know, but, um, but, but aside from that, his work with tribe was radically different. I thought than yeah i mean i agree with that and and you know q-tip it's living art you know it's interesting you say that about low in theory and the chronic you know dre around the chronic when he did interviews he said the most influential rap um body of work to what he was doing on that album was tribe you know and i think the low end theory low end theory in particular like even though those two albums side by side don't necessarily have a whole lot in common in theory the way that, you know, Tip and Tribe had orchestrated that was influential to the whole G-Funk sound. And then, yeah, you look at what Q-Tip did with Mob Deep, with Nas, with, you know, other corners of of um, Native Tongues like Beat Nuts and stuff like that. And he just, he's so versatile. Well, I mean, you talk about that, like, if you remember in Straight Outta Compton, the first time we were introduced to Dr. Dre in, in the movie, um, he's laying on the floor listening to Roy Ayers, everybody loves the sunshine in his headphones, yeah. right? And clearly Roy Ayers was influential to to Tip and, mm -hmm. and Tribe, you know, with with Ramp and Daylight for like Benita Applebaum and, you know, all that other stuff. So um, I could see that. I could see that for Dre. So, you know, um, okay, let's talk about Tip as an MC versus a producer. Which which one do you think had more impact, him as, as a producer or him as an MC? You know, it's hard. It's one of those things, like, as a producer, my favorite Q-Tip productions are, you know, the stuff he made with Tribe, even more than the Uma, which I know is sacrilege to a lot of people. Um, but to me, you know, that early stuff that I think him and, and certainly uh, Ali Shaheed and, and to some extent Fife made, that's my favorite. Or you could just, like, sample any record. Um, that being said, I, I think of Q-Tip more as an MC first. And he's made some great production. I got really, really loved what he did with Danny Brown last year. Um, 
But yeah, Tip to me is an MC, but one of the best double threats that does not get enough credit as a double threat. What about you? You know, I don't think that he gets enough credit as a producer. You know, when mm-hmm. we did Goat Producer, uh, he was he came in at like top ten or so, right? Like, like I believe so, or something like yeah. that. Um, you know, I mean, well, first of all, it's it's hard, it's blurry with all the tribe stuff because you just never know who did what. Yeah. You know, same thing with the Amma. Um, but um, you know, when you start to think about stuff like what he did for Mob Deep with you know, uh, Temperatures Rising and you know One Love with like Nas, like those are just classic timeless timeless records you know yeah. and um you know i think his production work stands it's not as as extensive as you know caprimo or pete rock or mm-hmm. Ariza or kanye or something like that but but i think that his records you know stand with some of their greatest records absolutely and he's never um one of the things that i think he deserves a lot of credit for is one love on its own sounds like a q-tip record i mean just the um, I think those are vibraphones and just that whole jazzy feeling, but it really obviously works within, you know, Illmatic, which had all of these different hands. Same with the stuff he did on the infamous, like Q-tip has this ability to bring his ingredients into somebody else's recipe and not change, just add to it without overwhelming the flavor, which, you know, you put a Dre beat on, you know, I was just listening to Devin, the dudes, uh, just trying to stay alive or, um, just trying to live a lot over the last week. And the minute the Dre track comes on and the minute the Primo track comes on, you know it's them. And they're great songs, but when Q-Tip produces, it just adds to the album. It adds to the moment without being like, oh, this is Q-Tip. So. It's kind of like Rick Rubin, right? In his later yeah. years, Rick Rubin, um, by design, goes in and enhances. He brings out the artist, you know, what the artist has within them rather than like imposing his sound on them. Yeah, I, I get mm-hmm. that. So, um, well, first of all, who are some of your favorite producers? Premier is, you know, high and above. Um, Certainly Dre. Um, Love Prince Paul. And and Prince Paul, to me, I was thinking about this last night with RZA. So, apart from Prince Paul with the first three Daylight albums, I think what RZA did on the first Wu album, and I'm not just trying to pontificate, I think it's the greatest single album production by one person. Um, Because if I'm not mistaken, like Mathematics and True Master, no one, all production credit on that album goes to RZA. And I haven't heard any of that, you know, really debated, Um, which was amazing because he played half the album in the battle. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think what RZA alone did between like 93 and 2000 deserves in there. And uh, Large Professor is another one. And then I'm going to give it up because they just don't get enough shout out is um, Marley, of course. And uh you know, um, uh, Larry Smith, you know, who did Houdini and Fat Boys and first as a musician, but later as a producer, deserves big oh, credit. Larry Smith is ill, man. Oh, I yeah. love that Fat Boys. Like, it was, it was like, it was very keyboard driven, very mm-hmm. soulful, very musical, you know. Um, and uh, not disco, but just you could put it on with, in that era with that kind of record, you know, mm-hmm. uh, like the breaks and you know stuff like that. The breaks was almost like a disco record, you know. Um, yeah, you know, for me it was it, it went by eras, you know. Um, you know, in the eighties, it probably was Larry Smith, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and then and then Rick Rubin, because uh, I just love those eight oh eights. We talked about that, you know, a couple weeks ago. Just just so heavy, like um, you know, radio and like uh, rock the bells and all that. Um, and then it morphed into like the 
the premier uh, Dre era for me, you know? And then um, in like early 2000s, it shifted to Neptunes, man. Neptunes, really? yeah. Neptunes are, are like um, some of my all-time favorite producers in any genre. And actually going back to the 80s, it was Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. Like they, they superseded any like hip hop producers for me. Um, Did they do many hip hop records? No, no, I'm saying, but I'm saying like, I, I, no, I, I know what you mean, but out of curiosity, did you know, like Teddy Riley did stuff with Cool Modi and Heavy D and, you know, had a hand in the show, um, you know, by Dougie Fresh. And, but did, Terry, did Jim and Terry ever do like a proper hip hop record? I think the closest they did, if I'm remembering correctly, um, Got to the Scum was a co production with Q Tip. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so um, that would probably be the closest. And that, that record in itself was just was crazy, yeah. you know. So, um, oh, and that was Dilla too, right? Yeah, Dilla was Dilla. Was well, Dilla did the remix too. Um, yeah. That that yeah that that that's my favorite Janet album, which I know is sacrilege, but uh, yeah, you know. And then you know later two thousands like uh, you know Kanye, um, you know, um, you know, deceptively in there is like Alchemist and, and Ninth, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you know, soulful like boom uh, bap. Yeah, man. So yeah, uh, you know it's arranged, but I think the common thread for me is musical. I like I like the, the musical texture. You know? Yeah. Um, the I think you gravitate more toward the like the um, a melodic kind of more abrasive kind of production. Yeah, but it's funny. Like recently, I've been on a huge like not just DJ Quick solo catalog, but the mm-hmm. stuff that Quick did for like Sugar Free and AMG and that whole Pac and stuff. And like to me, that's very musical. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, Dre's number two when it comes to melody. But I've never, I've never been a Neptune's head. I appreciate them. I have the utmost respect. Um, but that's never been my bag. I when that was going on, I was much more in like the Just Blaze, um, D Dot, you know, the Hitmen, like that whole camp. Yeah, you're not a, you're not really an R and B dude. Like we, we've had this debate <laughs> for years. We we, we have gone, gotten the fisticuffs about R and B. You're not an R and B cat though. Like, Modern R and B. Like well, I, I love mean, you yeah. love soul, yeah. but you but but you're not an R and B dude. Like Anita Baker, does that do much for you? Only because of hanging out with you. Like it was funny. I was I was <laughs> pause. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, nah, like this morning as uh as we were making breakfast, I was playing Alexander O'Neill, and I was like, "Yo, oh, yeah, but <laughs> wait, wait. you playing Alexander O'Neill? Word, like wow. right. yeah, you don't. What I mean, you song? just." Uh, what's uh the, the joint? Hold on, the big one. Hold on. If you were here tonight, uh, yeah, uh, give me one second. I put it on size. a. Bear with me. One. What's missing? Uh, I added it, so I I add everything to play. Saturday love. No, 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 because no, that's number two. I'm always like, and I love to see what people's stats are on uh Spotify. So it was if you were here tonight. If you were here tonight, that's the first one I said. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, yeah. You know, entry level. Uh, entry level. I'm not I as. You, I know what you were doing this morning. <laughs> I know what you. Okay. Yeah. I'm not as. Uh, I'm not as basic as you pay me out to be. <laughs> okay. Alexander O'Neill. That's that's shocking. That's quite shocking. <laughs> All right. Well, so back to hip hop. <laughs> wait, wait. Back to Q-tip. Let me ask you yeah. this question because you mentioned features and more than anybody. I mean, Q-tip. You know, he has work with everybody across the board. Do you have a favorite, a favorite off the beaten path? It could be a feature verse or a rarity like Q-tip. Um, let's say verse. 
Yeah, I mean, Godzilla is gone is like one of my favorite songs ever. Like, um, I thought he just killed that. Like, and the way he approached the rhyme, like, it's just, yeah, that's one of my favorite pizza joints. How about you? Yeah. So he did this joint with Large Professor called In the Sun. And um, it was on, you know, Large Professor's uh, first class album, which did not get enough love. And it's just like, it's it's a simplistic rhyme scheme, but it is so deep. And those two guys that have just such distinct cadences and you know deliveries oh man that is that's a sleeper mm. would you say that he is the best producer mc that's a really good question definitely i mean of that era we're not saying like j cole or are we are we yeah 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 i mean let's go through it like who, who's who's in that conversation I mean, if you just want to talk impact, which Q-Tip absolutely deserves on the impact level, you've got Kanye and J. Cole for sure. Um, I'm not going to put Diddy or Dre in that conversation just because that gets a little bit gray. Yeah. Um, DJ quit. I mean, and then so then there's that. And then there's this other conversation where I'm like, yo, Lord Finesse, Large Professor, Diamond D. Mm. Um, man, I... Pete uh, Rock. Yeah, I mean, I love Pete. Havoc. He's, Havoc, you know, it gets tricky. It gets, you know, it gets really tricky. I absolutely, and I'm not trying to duck, but I think that he definitely is in the top three all day long on what either about, side of that coin. What whether you want to go. Now? Royce jumped in there. I mean, the production, um, the allegory, I'm trying to think, is that. Yeah, I mean, because you said Jay Electronica is probably your favorite album of the year so far with the Allegory. Mm-hmm. I can't think of an album that's been better produced this year than the Allegory, and I know it's only April, but even in the last year, um, I like I like Royce's production on the Allegory as much as I like what Madlib did on Bandana, which mm-hmm. is wow, like, that's crazy. strong words. Yeah, that's strong that's words. Real, yeah. What about Big Crit? I mean, Crit, incredible producer yeah, and MC. Yeah. Absolutely. I wish. I know I love what he did with his latest album, you know, kind of sharing that work so he could focus on emceeing, but I don't want him to pull a pimp C, which I know is one of his heroes and uh, walk away from production too, too far. That's another one. Pimp. Yeah. Pimp C. Yeah. There's a bunch. It's it's a hard one. It's a hard one. But 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 I'm glad, I'm glad you asked the question because Q-Tip absolutely doesn't only deserve to be in the conversation. He is a formidable answer to that question. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so you said Dr. Dre, you wouldn't include in that. Um, but Dre has got the chronic is coming out on uh, the digital service yeah. providers on 420 uh, yeah. appropriately. Uh, you know, what's left? What's left besides that? You mean that we need to get on the DSPs? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's funny. There's, there's a whole host of, as we talk about, you know, Larry Smith, there's a whole host, obviously of like dope 12 inch, uh, you know, hip-hop that never made it to album format throughout the 80s i hope that i hope that makes its way but um for me i'd like to see a lot of the rap a lot catalog a lot of the priority records catalog so you know the stuff that rap a lot put out like you know in the in the late 80s early early 90s is great um priority they get slept on man they put out so much amazing stuff and it's it's low-key been making its way and also the big one is def jokes which what priority stuff is missing um stuff like uh don't quote me because it could be on now but like 415 which is richie rich's original group um what was the other thing so low profile dub c's original group 
That is now online. The other day I was looking for, do you remember Threat? He worked with like Tupac and DJ Pooh. Yeah, or his name. Yeah, yeah. So he has this album called Sick in the Head that is a sleeper oh, right, from 93. Right. Yeah. But I think that came out on East West. But there's, you know, there's some weird things like that um, that haven't made their way online. Nothing, I mean, De La is the huge answer. Um, mm-hmm. And I did see uh, their, their Instagram account said that they were back in talks with Tommy Boy and making inroads. So I, I look forward to the day, even though I own all the albums, when, uh, you know, I can be somewhere and you know, play any of those first uh, six or seven albums. Yeah, man, I made a playlist recently and I put Patty Duke on it. And, uh, you know, I couldn't, I had to go to YouTube to do it because it's not on the DSPs. And I know that's one of your, that's your favorite De La album, right? It's up there. I go back and forth between Balloon and uh, De La's Soul is Dead. And mm-hmm. I love, I love that. And, and Zef Jooks, I've been looking for a lot lately. And LP has said he, um, he's going to slowly but surely re-add those projects. And you yeah, look at it, guys like Aesop Rock and uh, Mr. Liff, like major chunks of their catalog are missing or they put it up themselves like Mers did with um, Mers and 9316, which, you know, great, great album. Yeah, um, you know, LP is another producer MC. Who's mm-hmm. you know, uh, and LP is somebody else that has you know, 25 years into his career, um, 20, 25, arguably gotten way better at both, you know, and certainly gotten his flowers with Run the Jewels. I love uh, both Company Flow and LP solo stuff. But uh, yeah, it's great to see him as much as Mike, you know, winning right now. Yeah. You know, um, just going back to COVID for a second, Jay-Z and Meek Mill, donated masks to prisons. What did you, what did you think about that? Yeah. I mean, I think that's great. And I think that, you know, um, what did I just read? The the prison uh, or jail in Chicago is like the biggest hotbed of COVID right now. Um, I think that it would be wrong of society to overlook, you know, people that are in there for many of them, I'm sure nonviolent crimes that are exposed to things that could take their life and without proper medical resources as, as we talked about recently, you know, six, nine walks, you know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, he gets out, but what about, you know, these are people's, you know, mothers, fathers, uncles, brothers, sisters, and yeah, to see Jay-Z and me continue to kind of be a voice for the voiceless. I mean, you're not going to hear that talked about on, on major media. I don't think, um, that's just another great moment for hip hop. Have you worn a mask yet? I did. Um, it's just a bandana. Um, I am, I think tomorrow a better, more, um, safer mask has showed up, but I've only been doing that as I, we'd recently discussed like walking in the stores. Mm-hmm. Um, what about you? I wore one for the first time yesterday. How'd it feel? Um, you know, it felt weird. Like I, I do it more as a courtesy also, you know, um, but you know, they passed, they mandated it in LA on friday yeah um so if you're going into a place of business you know central place of business a grocery store or bodega something like that you have to wear a mask so you know so it's i don't know it's just a, it's just a, it makes it even more real like there's no avoiding like you know yeah when you're wearing a mask that's that's true I, I i live right across the bridge from new jersey and i was in new jersey this week where i was told it was mandated 
And I went into the store and the first person I saw in there wasn't wearing one. And then I looked around and a lot of people weren't. And I pulled it down and I kind of felt, I had a bunch of thoughts about that too. Like, am I, am I just sheep mentality or, but as I've said to you recently, like I, I wanted to do it as a courtesy to others. It was wild. Yesterday I, um, I got a cup of coffee at a, like a takeout, you know, spot. And I don't know if you've seen this anywhere, but there was like clear vinyl siding hanging down where the person that handed me the cup of coffee was literally like yeah. underneath, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it was in, in Philadelphia, everywhere, there's old school, like bulletproof, like, mm-hmm. you know, when you go to buy stuff, but this was way different. And um, I'm really curious to see, like, will that ever come down? You know, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's just, we just don't know what the new reality is. That's happening here. All the bodegas have that, you know, um, not every food place has it, but it's starting to pop up. Like, I'm, I'm amazed at how quickly it's happened, too. You know? Yeah, uh, that part is weird. But yeah, and then like the the tape and like the the footprints like that are six feet apart and stuff like that. Like it's just just so much stuff. Yeah, it's yeah, not. So, so one of the things that Questlove said, I didn't know this. You know, he's playing in the Q-tip uh, tribute. There's a joint that samples bounce rock skate roll um, mm-hmm. by Von Mason. Uh, Von Mason apparently died two weeks ago from COVID. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, of COVID. Yeah. Oh, wow. I knew that um, Vaughn had passed uh, not long before Bill Withers, but wow, that's crazy. Yeah, I think uh, he was 65 or something like that. Damn. That's one of my favorite records growing up, too. That's a great record. And I remember for me, I went to see Scratch in the theaters in 2000. And I drove, like, took my mom's car, drove, like, 40 minutes. And that song's in that in that movie. Mm-hmm. And just that, that bass line is insane. And, and I'm Vaughn Mason... Um, did some work later on with hip hop artists. You know, I think Diamond Diaz told me over the years that, you know, Vaughn and, and him have some work. And uh, that's great to see when the people that are sampled come in and work with the culture and the artists. Mm. So you mentioned something um, I wanted to follow up on. You said well, publishers and labels start to treat live streams like radio venues. What, what, what did you mean by that? Well, I mean, think about it. I mean, last night um, I saw the numbers shared this morning. I think close to 900,000 people between in and out caught Primo versus RZA. So that's more than any radio station. I mean, I'm just going to venture to say that's more people than listen to Howard Stern or, you know, any single terrestrial station. So, you know, those stations are held to um, obligations of like, what are you playing? You know, and there's money to be made. I mean, it's bringing awareness to the record. And I just have a feeling after all of this, um live instagram live and youtube live and periscope something is going to be done because yeah it's broadcast uh, on on the newest level you're you're an attorney though what do you think yeah i mean i used to do this uh you know music licensing for mtv for a bunch of years and i actually know um the people who lead up um the music um rights acquisition team over at facebook slash instagram and they've done a lot of deals. Uh, so I'm sure that everything that is uh, done on IG Live is already covered, you know. Um, it can't be, though. I mean, just to play devil's advocate, I mean, the stuff that folks are playing, I mean, part of its charm is how deep it is. And obviously, like, you know, I think RZA last night, but go ahead. But, but see, that's the thing. It's not done on an individual basis. They're not clearing every song. What they do is they do 
big catalog deal. So they'll go to EMI, they'll go to Universal, they'll go to uh, Warner Chapel, like whoever it is, and they'll they'll clear, they'll take their entire catalog. So it covers interesting cover for samples for for all that stuff. So you know that's that's how they do it. So it's interesting. Uh, did you pay any attention to the Tory Lane storyline as we talked about IG Live this week? No, uh, I, some some people hit me about it. Like he was having like uh, like hosting big parties with like you know girls and stuff like that. And it, what, what was it? Yeah, I mean he's done this thing, and I um I mean we've covered Tory Lanez a bit on on you know AFH. Um, but I'm not like the deepest uh fan or the most well versed. But I know that he's been doing this thing every day where he's been calling other celebrities and like he holds a cord mic and he asks interesting questions and he's real high energy. And um, he did something that got his IG taken away and it might've involved like nudity or something like that. Yeah, and, and I've heard of others that have done that because everyone's, you know, pushing the boundaries on this, but he apparently got his account, account restored. They, they were going to take it away for like seven or 10 days. He gave an advance listen or copy of his upcoming project. Are you drinking that Kool-Aid? He got he he gave them an advanced copy of his album and that's and how he got his ID restored back. his account like like made them feel like yo all right I messed up I won't do it again and just for the trouble here's you know by the way this is what I'm gonna put out next Friday. So you're basically saying that like people at Facebook are such huge Tory Lanez fans that like he was able to hey man listen I'm not saying that. <laughs> is that what you're saying? <laughs> Hey. <laughs> is, that, is that what you're implying? Like, hey, that, that's that's what I read. I'm just saying, do you believe that that's true? I think that uh, uh, you know we had a conversation about Public Enemy recently. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that Tory Lanez is a as a genius at like uh, generating publicity for himself. I, I, I'll say yeah. That. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. Um, speaking of of unreleased music, yeah, I got. Oh, by the way, sorry, I had heard that he had two hundred and fifty thousand simultaneous people watching his stream. Damn, which is insane. Yeah, I mean, though, last night it got when I the highest I remember it looked was like right at like one ninety seven, ninety eight. I don't know if it ever got past two. Oh, last for night. Rizzo. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think it got up to what one ninety eight, one ninety nine, two, which was amazing to see. Yeah. Um, you know, on the uh, on the subject of new music, you know, it's rare these days that, you know, for years and years, I got early listens of everything, you know, just and, and maybe you did, too. But like, I remember having late registration for two or three weeks before it came out, mm. a host of like Doom projects. I had Stankonia early, not from like bootlegging, but back when the labels used to send these advances. And now that doesn't change. I feel like the labels are keeping up with the artists. But I did get a listen of... Um, an anticipated album from Ari the Rugged Man. And uh, mm. it's really cool. I, I, uh, Ari has a cult following, as we both know. And it's great because I think that this is his most... Um, I think he's put out some of his best songs on this new album. And none of them are the singles, you know, that people have gotten to hear yet. He's got some amazing features on there. One with Chuck D that is, uh, you know, we were talking about Chuck last week. Um, dope dope record and that comes out this week it comes out on friday so uh i'm excited for that ra is a a soldier in hip-hop that's been putting in you know years and years of work and i people love his first two albums but i hope that this one is a ground gets him a groundswell of love yeah you said there was also one with uh ghostface master killer cool g rap yeah right 
Uh, yeah. How's that, how's that record? I like that. I mean, I, I like that one a lot. I, you know, there have been a host of like really interesting collaborations over the years with like G-Rap and members of like G-Rap was on, um, what was it like the 36 seasons album with Ghost and there's been AZ different stuff. It's one of those records where everybody steps up. Um, he's got a really cool joint with Afro, which, um, you know, as we talk about artists helping out other artists like Afro and RA have very similar, you know, Lyric, lyrical style you know that fast rap and um you know real syncopated flow and jazzy jeff's doing scratches on it it's just a really cool record and then um there's another joint on there that i really like called ed Koch's new york which you know i've never lived in new york but for people that like that you know grimy new york underbelly like company flow nonfiction, that sort of feel you love that. That's your favorite. You love that like, side of New York, right? Yeah. I mean, I just love the underbelly. And yeah. RA, I mean, that's what he stands for, both in film and like music and all of that. And that's a standout. So, um, yeah, I'll be curious to see what others think. But it drops, I believe, on Friday. So you mentioned Stretch and Bobito, right? Did you, did you tune into that? I did. I really enjoyed it. It just, you know, so last night, obviously, RZA had about 20 minutes where he was figuring out his sound. And it was really funny. I mean you know, I don't sit there on IG live and expect perfection. You know, you and I on these zoom calls have, you know, we've experienced like the, can you hear me now? You know, yeah. so stretch and Bob get on stretch comes on playing records. Bob's a few minutes late and Bob had just put one of his children to bed or his child to bed. I don't know. And um, he wanted to keep the volume low. So he didn't wake up the kid in the next room. And I just thought that that was like an interesting look at humanity, <laughs> but um, they were playing some like rare demos and alternate versions. And, what I really liked is just watching them goof around together. You know, mm. um, I love the documentary. You and I talked about that recently, but I wasn't living in New York, so I wasn't tuning in on Thursday nights, you know, to get to hear the prank calls and the clowning on each other. So just watching these successful men, uh, presumably in their, you know, 40s or 50s now doing that, I, uh, I was entertained. Have you heard any, I know you weren't, uh, I don't think you were old enough to like, uh, experience, you know, real time, like the, the WKCR shows that they had. No. So, but have you heard any like on YouTube or anything like that? Oh yeah. Yeah. So and did, I, it, yeah. did it feel like that? Did it? Yeah. But like a little bit more grown up, you know, I mean, they were just laughing and I realized like, you know, um, stretch in particular is just such a funny showman. I know Bob is like, you know, very charismatic on radio, but it was his room. Like he was kind of the foil of like, yo, I'm going to put the phone right by the speaker and Stretch was making fun of him for, like, all of his, like, esoteric nerdery of, like, yo, I'm going to play this one break with the drums different. And um, it was just really fun to see. And, again, just the chat room was nuts. You had Dante Ross going in there, Monica Lynch, just everybody from that, like, 90s scene just having fun. And mm. it, it felt like, uh, yeah, it felt like a virtual party. Do you remember what the, the high number was on that for, like, uh, some of his viewers? It was up there, um, not to the magnitude of, uh, you know, but I, I want to say it was like low five figures. I could be mistaken. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's been social too, man. Like, it's, it's, so it feels social, like seeing all those people in there, you feel like you're part of the community. But I know yeah. I've had a lot of friends too that I've been watching this stuff with and we've been hitting each other. So it's it's cool, man. Like, there's some really positive things that have come out of this, you know. So, I mean, obviously, you and I are talking on this medium, you know, for this podcast. But do you think the roles have changed? So, like, one of the things I've hated for years is FaceTiming, you know. Um, now, I, like, people want to see each other. So, like, if 
if I were to call you and I do it FaceTime, is is that okay? That's a little weird. Like, <laughs> thank you. All right. We're all on the same page. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah. I've I've struggled with that yeah. because a lot of my friends are like calling me FaceTime, and if they have little kids or something like that, I get it. But my historical move is. You call me on FaceTime, I'll decline and call you back <laughs> right. on the phone. Oh, yeah, you know? right. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, have you downloaded House Party yet? No, I haven't yet. I haven't necessarily had a reason to yet, but uh, what about you? Yeah, I downloaded it, and I think it, I think it probably makes it acceptable. It's kind of like you and I, what we used to say about emojis, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I think it's like... I think it's the gateway drug to FaceTiming, basically. Okay. All right. Someday <laughs> I'll get into FaceTime. I mean, and, and that's the thing, too, is, like, to hold the phone. Everyone makes fun of this, but, like, you're holding it, and you get, like, all of that, this stuff. And, <laughs> yeah. man, no. It yeah. makes you, like, the minute I get off the phone, I want to take my life. You know? Yeah. It's just drama <laughs> me, right? Like, exactly. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. Um, so, you know, just to finish up, man, I want to go back to the RZA and Primo mm-hmm. joint. Like, so one of the things I enjoyed the most about it was the buildup before. Yeah, it felt like a Floyd Mayweather fight, you know, where where people were excited about it. You had commentary, like you said, you had the people already like weighing in, like on like you know who's going to get murked and all the other stuff. Yeah. The, the anticipation. It was just a great moment for hip hop, man. And shout out to Swiss Beats for for putting these things together. They've been really amazing. Yeah, I I, I like it. I um, to me, it, it's hard to imagine, like, as long as Dr. Dre stays at home, it's hard to imagine anything from a hip-hop perspective better than this. We've had a bunch of great undercards. Um, my hope is that, you know, you and I talked a lot about, like, D-Nice copycats. Let this one breathe, mm-hmm. you know, before you have B, C, and D-list producers coming in. I might I might sound like a hater, but, um, you know, I... Uh, I want this one to be special and I want it to be one of those things that how did hip hop survive the quarantine? You know, you had D nice, you had Questlove and black thought and you had this and, and, you know, a host of other cool things, but don't run it into the ground, please. Other people. Well, I mean, you know, after this, like, who would you want to see? Is there any, like, would you want to see Kanye versus Dre? Like, I mean, like, uh, just blaze versus yay, like, uh, Neptunes versus Timbaland. Just Blaze versus Ye would be amazing, um, you know, and I put Just on that level. And those two guys, I mean, for years, people didn't know who was doing what on some of those albums. They had to look look at the credits because their sounds were in the same wheelhouse. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know who Dre takes on. I mean, in a way, like, it's it's always kind of, in my mind, the hip-hop heads debate is premier. But, um, yeah, and if that, if that happens... Um, I think it has to look a little different, you know, the battle. Like, um, Dre just can't sit there and play records because yeah. I don't know. You know. Yeah. All right, man. So to close it out, I know this is typically a thing, but I'm going to ask you first, uh, what's your song of the week? Man, um, that's a really good question. I uh, What have I been playing? Uh, you know, I mentioned quick. There's a record by Sugar Free that I cannot stop playing called Thinking. It has a video. Cat Williams is in the video before, well before any of the stuff that he did with the Friday franchise. Came out early 2000s and quick produced it. And it's, you know, it's Sugar Free. So the, the content's a little, you know, you, you get what you expect. But it is such a good record. And one thing I'll say is Sugar Free and Quick had something really special together. Um, just that interplay. Sugar Free is a phenomenal rapper that does not get enough credit. Um, so I can't, can't stop playing that. What about you? 
you know, for me, like, you know, Quest hit me yesterday with uh, like a couple of joints, man, the scenario stuff just cracked my cranium. And then he played a remix of Saturdays uh, by De La Soul mm-hmm. that, that either I forgot or I've never heard in my life, but like, you know, it had dreads on it and, uh, you know, completely new verses and the beat was different. And that was just such a joint, man. So yeah, it, it made my day. That whole set was like, just, I loved it. So yeah. Yeah, that's dope. I, uh, I'm going to see if I can use the roots and quest. They've been really diligent about documenting this stuff. I hope that somebody out there is recording that, you know, whether bootleg or not, we can come back to this in a few weeks and months and years. Um, I'm going to look for that Q-tip, uh, quest love you know set yeah it's on youtube so okay yeah no doubt all right man so yeah next next week we got a, a special special treat for everybody um but yeah always good chopping it up man likewise man stay yeah. healthy all right you too all right bye